this is Base Layer, brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode. Really lucky to have this one. This is going to be with Sunaina from TD Ameritrade. We did something new. Um, this is the first time that I've been asked to record base layers live and in demand at a conference. I was recently at Voices of Blockchain. And so this is going to sound a little different. I used a Tascam. And for those that are podcasting on a regular basis, then you know what that is. I did not, but I learned how to use it pretty quickly. So it's going to sound a little different, but we're going to work on that and make it better conversation we had with Sunena was really great because TD Ameritrade has been really active in this space, believe it or not. Many people don't know that, and they should. And so they have a really interesting relationship with a company called X, And through them, you'll be able to trade Bitcoin futures if you are a investor with TD Ameritrade. And so this is amazing because they have really stepped up to the plate, uh, a financial institution that is working hard to understand digital assets, understand the implications of what digital assets can do for their clients, and there's over 11 million of them. So you're going to hear a great conversation with uh, Sunaina talking about the thought process behind this, their relationship with RiverSex, how they're reviewing things like DeFi, and how they're really focusing on education, which I think is so incredibly important. Again, this is a great conversation. It's live from the Voices of Blockchain conference that we were just at a few days ago. So remember, nothing on base layer is investment advice. So please do your own research. And on the flip side, you're going to hear the great conversation I had with Renata from TD Ameritrade right after this. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I have Sunena from TD Ameritrade. She is the head of digital assets and blockchain there, and we're going to have a great conversation. We're at Voices of Blockchain here in Chicago. We've been having some great panels, and we've been thinking a lot about the future of this place. So please, if you could, everyone who is a guest on our show, we usually speak first about how you got into this world. What brought you into blockchains? What brought you into the world of digital assets? Obviously, TD Ameritrade is an institution that many of us know. What brought you into this world? Give us a little of backstory first, and then we're going to dig into a lot of what you guys are doing there in the future. Sounds like a plan. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. Um, so personally, I first got exposed to Bitcoin uh, in late 2011. It was actually at a Christmas party, of all things. Um, tells you what kind of cocktail parties I go to. So it was <laughs> with my then uh, boyfriend who was in iBanking and with all of his friends, and they were talking about Bitcoin, and not in the most you know, best of ways. Mm -hmm. um, I had kind of heard about Bitcoin, but I didn't know enough about it to contribute. But it really sparked my curiosity. And I remember going home that night and, you know, reading the white paper. And I think maybe I understood like 10% of it and reading it again. And the next thing I knew it was Sunday afternoon. And I was... I, I guess I had gone down the proverbial rabbit hole. So that was my first entry point personally. Uh, and as I like to say, you know, the best trade of my life, I dumped the boyfriend and kept the Bitcoin. Yep, nope. <laughs> um, but what drew me to it personally was just the ethos of censorship resistance and, you know, the convenience of peer-to-peer -peer money movement and, you know, 
I've grown up in a family of immigrants and I've heard stories of, you know, members of our family being displaced overnight and, you know, due to, you know, religious or political persecution. So there's that original ethos of Bitcoin that really drew me in. So that was the personal point. Uh, and, the, and the more I learned, the more it started to make sense. Uh, from a professional perspective, um, I've spent majority of my career at the intersection of finance and technology. And but really looking at, you know, new technologies in a way um, of how do we harness new technologies to break down barriers that still pervasively exist in financial services and definitely in investment and capital markets. So a lot of my career has been, how do you take new technologies, apply them in a way that breaks down barriers so everyday consumers can engage with capital markets with more education and more confidence. So ultimately they're in control of their financial futures. So from a professional perspective, you know, my team and I started experimenting with blockchain as part of that portfolio, I would say in 2015, 2016. Um, so, you know, it's always nice when your personal passion and your professional world start to collide and, you know, you can start to make an impact. 2015, you said. Yes. This is important because we had a conversation with Fidelity about this, where Fidelity started playing around with this in 2014, 2015. A lot of people need to understand that this did not just happen overnight. This was not a response just Bitcoin price. Correct. This was, wait a second, there's something massive happening here yes. that has implications for our clients and for economies and for society. And so that is just, that's, that's so interesting. So for those that don't know, TD Ameritrade has actually really put their foot into this world with relationship with ErisX. Yes. Not everyone knows this and they should. So tell us a little bit about that, how that came about and what that relationship looks like. What can you do now on TD Ameritrade that you couldn't before you got there and before this happened? Yeah, um, and, and I agree. I think a lot of this is a slow burn effect. And, you know, I, th I think especially in organizations like ours, I mean, listen, from a TD Ameritrade perspective, we... Um, we're, we, we have the honor and the privilege of serving over 11 million retail clients and 7,000 advisors every day. And I know the crypto community gets excited when players like us, you know, talk about bringing this asset class to that big, you know, scaled market. The institutions are coming. Exactly. But, you know, and I think my uh, peers in this category will agree. We get excited, too. But we also have to approach it with a great deal of responsibility and prudence, right? Uh, so uh, I know maybe sometimes we're not as fast as people would want. But, you know, for us, it's it's not so much about being fast or first. It's about getting it right because we're now bringing this asset class, you know, th not to the crypto natives and the crypto purists, but to my mom and dad. Right. right. And they are going to need a lot of education. And, you know, we believe that's part of that responsibility. And you also have regulators. Oh, yes. We're accountable to many constituents. Right. And I think that's important because everyone has been, you know, with Goldman Sachs, for instance, they've been talking about this. There's been public... Uh, reports out there that Goldman has been trying to build a trading desk. You know, there are others out there that have been speculated about doing this. And everyone's like, well, where is Goldman Sachs? Yeah. You know, where are all these new applications and where are all these new institutional firms coming into the world? And you just hit it on the head. You have to be slow. You have governance. You have procedures in place. You have things that you cannot just be quick with. Yeah. You're a huge financial institution with systemic risk. And so I think that's really critically important. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about, aside from ERISAX, yes. what are you looking at today in terms of different chains, in terms of different protocols, in terms of different applications? What are you looking at today 
that is getting you excited as a team? Yeah, so maybe I can kind of frame up how we're looking at this ecosystem. Yep. Um, so, you know, my team and I are looking at the whole spectrum. You know, what are the what is the value proposition of DLT and blockchain as a technology? But then obviously on the other side of the spectrum is the digital assets, which if you think about it, is very close to the business that we've been in for over 40 years, right? Now under that, you know, we kind of looking at, we're looking at, you know, how do we commercialize this in three different tranches? But before we get to that, one of the things that I really obsess about is, forget the technology and the asset class for a second, it's what is a problem we're solving? Yep. Why is this problem worth solving? Because not every problem is worth solving. But then most importantly, why, you know, where can TD Ameritrade, where are we uniquely qualified to make an impact and make a dent? So that is actually where I spend majority of our time going once we nail the problem statement and realize, okay, this is where in the ecosystem we are uniquely qualified to add value, then that's what we start going after, right? Because the other thing is, as you say, we're regulated. Like I spend a great amount of time with my BFFs in risk and legal and compliance and audit, and they're amazing collaborators and supporters. But for them, it's less about the sexy technology. It's more about if you approach them in a very prudent and responsible manner and say, this is what we're solving for, and this is why this is worth solving for the end consumer, then they go, okay, let's help you get there. But if you show up waving the flag about, oh, this new technology, they're going to go, what? Right? So that's the first thing we tackle. So under it, the way we're looking at it is, number one, what suite of products and experiences can we build that will be valuable to our clients, right? And by the way, our clients tell us every day what they want and don't want. You know, there's actually a button on all of our platforms where clients can tell us, you know, what they want to learn about crypto, how they want to engage with digital assets. And that comes to me and my product team. So talk about accountability through the voice of the customer. Um, but, you know, the base layer of products is really how do we give our clients access to this asset class through every choice, just as they have in the traditional markets, right? Whether it's spot, futures, options. I know there's a lot of conversations around ETS. And then you start to think about what are the derivative products, right? You know, lending and prime brokerage. So everything that you can do in the traditional asset class perspective, why can't that be done you know, in this asset class. So that's the product view. Second is partnerships and investment. So you brought up Aerosex, which was our first foray in this ecosystem. And, you know, what we like about what the Aerosex, Tom Chippis and team are doing is it's from day one, a regulated exchange and clearinghouse, very important to us. Uh, and they're bringing a lot of that best practices and hygiene and discipline from traditional markets and from day one applying it. So that gives you scale and sustainability. Um, so, you know, we're looking at more of those partnerships and investments in the crypto space. And then the last thing, which is near and dear to me, is really the investment we're making in education. So if you're going to bring millions of people into this asset class, you have to do it in a way, we don't give advice, right? But we have to do it in a way where our retail clients and our RIAs have credible education and information at their disposal. Ultimately, they have to make the decision that's right for them. But we want to make sure that they're doing it based on facts and not some charlatan video that's floating around. Right. So that's an area where we've been spending a lot of time in terms of building up a rich repository of content and education. One of the things that we were just talking about was kind of the the noise on crypto Twitter. We were having a little bit of a laugh on that. And so I'm curious, as you talk about education, what is your opinion? What do you think about kind of filtering out a lot of that noise? How do you, you know, what's your filter for like signal mm -hmm. to noise? We used to do a segment on Base Layer, which I miss a lot, called Signal to Noise, where... Mm -hmm. 
we would look at news items that were happening. You know, I would basically ask you know our guests, oh, do you think this is signal or do you think this is noise? Um, well, maybe we'll try to do that again. But how do you think you actually, you know, who, who, in your opinion, without naming names, what makes someone more credible, you know, versus maybe maybe not as credible? In my opinion, you know, people that go out on social media who say, oh, Bitcoin's going to hit, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars by next year. I don't know if we can do that right now. We don't necessarily have the data and the KPIs and the ability to actually come up with that kind of formulation. And so as you educate, what are some of the places that you're finding, you know, appropriate for education for a lot of the clients that are trying to learn about this? Yeah. And listen, I spend way too much time on crypto Twitter myself and it's hard not to. And listen, there are a lot of people um, from whom you learn every day. I think one of the things that's kept me interested and intrigued in crypto is it's this lifelong learning. So if you're just a insatiably curious person by design, which I think majority of crypto people are, there's a never ending learning curve. right? Right. And so I think in that way, crypto Twitter is definitely valuable where I think sometimes we as a community maybe forget is, you know, majority of people in the world are not on crypto Twitter and their awareness or even interest in this is not to the level that we have, right? Um, And so how do you cater to those consumers, right? And, you know, when we're designing our product and our education, listen, we have a subset of our clients that have already leaned into digital assets and they're the ones knocking on my door saying, why can't I do it here, right? For them, education is going to be different. You know, they don't need basic or intermediary. They need next level of education. But for a majority of our clients, I would say they're crypto curious. They've heard about it and maybe not in the best of the spotlight. For them, it's about kind of slowly helping building up their acumen, um, but doing it in a way that's normalized, right? I think, you know... Believe it or not, majority of the people in the world have lives and kids and jobs and families they spend time with, and they don't spend all their time reading white papers or debating on crypto Twitter. Lies. <laughs> I know, those people exist. Go figure. Um, so how do you introduce them to this asset class, and how do you help them you know, grow their crypto quotient, perhaps? Mm. Um, but that's not daunting. Like, that's, you know, that's the thing that why I've, I spent majority of my career at the intersection of finance and technology because I fundamentally believe that traditional finance was, was went out of its way to be complex and opaque and daunting and then we wondered why more Americans weren't taking charge of their own financial futures because we were scaring them away, right. right? And I don't want crypto to be that iteration of traditional finance. So how can we be more inclusive? So you know, a lot of the content we do is in Kitchen English, which is take away all the fun lexicon and the nerdy and the words we like to throw around and just baseline it. Uh, And two is rendering that content in all kinds of different ways. Hey, you like to read white papers? We'll give you access to that. But you want to watch quick snackable videos while, you know, you're at your son's baseball game? Sure, we've got that. Hey, you want to come to live events? We've got that. We just did one in San Francisco, uh, which was amazing. Um, You want to talk to one of our coaches and our our, you know, our support team on the phone, we've got that. So, you know, we're not going to make that choice for you. We're going to distribute it in every which way and let you decide. That is amazing. I, I did not know that you had that kind of a lexicon as of today. Um, everyone needs to check that out because good education, good content on this space is becoming better. You yeah. know, two years ago, it was... It was a landmine. <laughs> it, there was a lot of, uh, there was some good stuff, but a lot of bad stuff. And so that's really great to hear that you guys are doing that. 
Um, last thoughts and kind of on DeFi. Mm-hmm. What is your, what are you seeing in terms of the kind of the DeFi narrative, you know, with this notion of using Ethereum, you know, to create, you know, kind of almost collateralized loans uh, with, with DAI. Obviously, you guys are watching this, I imagine. Yes. First of all, before I ask you to comment on that, it is so refreshing to hear that an institution in a bank is obviously ahead of the curve on all of this, that there are people in a bank of your size understand these concepts, because I don't know a lot of family offices understand that, that there are people like you that are actually that well-versed in this. So what are your thoughts on DeFi, and where do you think it goes? Do you think it's something that banks of your size and Oak can actually start getting involved with? Yeah, so just one minor clarification. We're not a bank bank. We're broker-dealer. Broker-dealer. Um, but yes, um, uh, but you know, we talk to every regulator. <laughs> um, I think, you know, again, going back to what is the problem we want to solve and where are we uniquely qualified to, we're obviously starting in an area that is closest to our current core competency where we think we can serve our constituents, but also add a positive impact to the crypto community and ecosystem. So, you know, trading and all the products we talked about, right? Personally, I agree with you. I think the work that's happening around dApps and DeFi is fascinating, right? Though we have not yet seen that killer app, just like, you know, back in the 90s, the killer app of the internet was email. Well, it was unfathomable that we would have ride sharing and binging at a time when your modem crashed 10 times, right? So I think we're in those, you know, there's there's that narrative, we're in the dial-up days of crypto, and I very much agree with it. Our current killer app happens to be cryptocurrency. So, you know, we're starting with it, and lucky for us, it's also connected to our core competency, and it's an easy adjacency. But, you know, I think the work that's happening in DeFi and uh, in that arena is something definitely of interest to us, both in terms of where I think we can add a positive impact, but also I think there is, you know, there's a lot of conversations around how do you bring what we know in traditional markets to crypto markets, which is fair, right? We need a lot of that discipline and hygiene. But the other opinion I have is we're actually doing a lot of stuff in crypto that's going to be automation first, digital first, you know, decentralized. And I think we can take that back to the traditional markets and help modernize yep. traditional systems and processes and controls. So I'm looking at that ecosystem with both those lens. And I think that's where partnerships and investments becomes important. So there will be a basket of products and services that we believe we can create because, you know, we've got the we've, we've, we've got the infrastructure, we've got the know-how. But some of these new arenas, I'm very much a believer on, hey, let's partner with somebody else. We'll bring what we know, they'll bring what they know, and then together we co-create and it's also speed to market. Right. Um, so that's where partnership and investments uh, is uh, an important part of our, um, you know, portfolio. That is so fascinating. Such an enlightening conversation. One of the things that we'd like to do with our guests, and um, for those obviously who don't listen, uh, but for those that do, we like to also get in the mind of our guests. That's a uh, scary place. Yes. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's a actually a really cool place. Um, two things that we put in our brains on a regular basis are books, yes. things that we read, um, and things that we listen to. Um, so we'd love to hear what kind of music you listen to, whether you're traveling, when you're working, if you get a chance, and what books, if anything, that you've read recently that really resonated with you. So music first. Sure. Um, so, you know, a lot of my music is 
the pairing usually goes with the activity mm-hmm. that I'm trying to do. I think it's maybe a lot of people do it that way. Um, you know, when I'm trying to crank out a position paper or really have to focus, classical music is my go-to. Um, believe it or not, I recently discovered that um, how good my running performance is is related to my listening to Bollywood dance music. If my cousin introduced me to it a year or so ago, I can barely understand half of what they're saying, but there's something about that rhythm that I guess makes me run better, so I'm going to wow. stick to it. Okay. Um, but, you know, at first principle, like my the, the music I could just listen to for hours and something I picked up spending quality time with my grandfather and father is John Coltrane. I could oh, listen wow. to John Coltrane and Miles Davis. I know, I'm not 100 years old, I promise. <laughs> but there's just something about that, that music and it just it helps you lose yourself and I don't think we do enough of that so amazing yeah and anything you've read recently um so I think we all nerd out on crypto stuff so I'm not going to go there um my go-to when I want to detach from the the crypto world is really biographies and I try to pick biographies of people and subjects that maybe I'm not close to on a daily basis so the two that I'm in the middle of is uh one is the score takes care of itself. Uh, it's about the you know famous um, NFL coach Bill Walsh, uh, and people who are people who know me and might listen to this might chuckle because I actually know nothing about sports or football, but I'm really enjoying this book. It's also got a lot of good leadership principles around servant leadership and stuff, which I think is useful as we all build and lead teams. But the second one is My Life Standing Up, which is Steve Martin's yep. biography, and I don't know much about comedy, but just about how he came to become um, you know the legend that he is and the level of preparedness and kind of the whole notion of plan the work, work the plan. There's so many pragmatic learnings um, that I'm really enjoying it. Amazing. The last thing that we like to do is give our guests a opportunity to find out where they can find out more about what you're building, what you're doing. So yeah. So a lot of that education content that I talk about, check it out on tdameritrade.com. We continue to add more content, again, based on feedback from our clients. Uh, and then personally, you can find me on LinkedIn or on Twitter. Uh, it's just my first name, at Sinena. Uh, one of the few benefits of having a crazy name uh, where you can get your own Twitter handle. So uh, get in touch and let's continue the conversation. Amazing. So this is Sinena at TD Ameritrade. Thank you so much. It was great seeing you at Voices of Blockchain. And we'll be seeing you soon. Thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash base layer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on Layer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter. Arca at Arca or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space and the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, marketing commentary, videos, and more.